Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Wad Podcast. I'm your host, Corey. Thankful you guys are joining me once again. How y'all doing? That was very Southern. I'm not Southern at all. I'm from Minnesota, from the Midwest. But I have a cold, so I apologize if I sound a little funny, a little plugged up, a little stuffy. Probably have a few brain farts today while I'm talking, but uh, I wanted to get this one out. We had uh, a lot of follow-up to our last episode with the We Are the Evidence uh, community that uh, sent out quite a few questions. And so I'm going to probably break this up into two parts. Um, as you guys know, I try to do no more than three questions um, and try to spend a little bit of time on them. I, you know, I had probably seven or eight questions that came through, and some of them were like multiple questions in, in the submissions. So I'm going to try to break it up and do my best to answer these and um, appreciate you uh, submitting this, um, stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit and being brave enough to send those in and acknowledging that, yeah, I have a little bit of a struggle with anxiety. You know, you guys have been through a lot and I appreciate uh, you testifiers sending information in and, and I hope that I can help. And please feel free if I don't um, hit the points that you're needing uh, please send me another message and ask some more questions. Uh, really good questions came out of that. So I appreciate it. So for the first question, it's actually a pretty simple one, um, but it's going to be different for everybody. And the question goes like this. What is one simple thing that I can do when I start feeling anxious? Which is a great question. You know, I, I talk quite a bit about all these overarching techniques and skills and concepts, but like what's a simple applicable thing I can do when I feel anxious. And the one thing that I do, and this has worked for me the most is I ask myself a couple questions. Number one is, am I in real danger? And if the answer is no, then I start to label what my angst is about, like what my fear is about. I say, okay, I'm not in danger. So I'm afraid or fearful of fill in the blank. And as soon as you can give it a name, like if you, as soon as you call out your anxiety, like this is just my fear of fill in the blank, it'll lose some of its power over you. Um, you know, anxiety is found in the ego part of our personalities. And when, when you label them and you deflate them, and I'm not talking like egotistical or, um, uh, whatever you would call it, you know, like, uh, narcissist kind of thing. It's more of just like the internal person, like where, where pride is found. Um, fear is also in the same spot <clears throat> for the most part. Now, I'm sure there's some psychologists that will disagree with that, but from what I've read is there's a little bit of that that is attached to the ego part of your personality. And so as soon as you label it, it will deflate it. It will um, lose some of its power over you. And then you can kind of move on to being like, okay, if I'm just, I'll just use myself as an example. It's if I'm going to fly I'd be like, okay, am I in danger? Well, no, but as soon as I go, but then I know, okay, this is just my fear of flying. And my fear of flying is related to my, um, claustrophobia. And so as, as soon as I say, but I'm like, wait, you don't know for sure that something is going to happen. You think there might be something that's going to happen because you're afraid. Now, rationally that makes sense. But until I address the aspect of that emotion as fear, I can't go on to rational thinking because I'm in fear mode. And so as soon as you can kind of be like, okay, I'm afraid because 
then that is going to deflate the situation. So that's one simple thing that I do is I always will label it and ask myself, am I in real danger? More often than not, almost all the time, it's going to be no. And then, well, okay, what am I afraid of? And once I figure that out, then I'm like, well, that's just my fear of blank. I'm going to be okay. It's just an emotion. Emotions come and go. Now, um, for what you guys have been through, it's understandable that um, when you get anxious, it it can be a little bit more irrational because of what you've been through. And so I don't mean to oversimplify it, but that's the question was, what's one simple thing? And so the simple thing is to start asking yourself questions and evaluating the thought around why you're feeling anxious. So I'm trying to think of another one that I would do. And I, I make sure that I'm not breathing in my chest. Um, when I get anxious, I'm all up in my, I feel like I'm breathing up in my sternum when, instead of like focusing on my stomach going in and out. And so you get tight. And then when you get tight, you, you kind of lose a little bit of oxygen. And so when you get that feeling, you get the physical symptoms that go along with anxiety. And so I was always someone that would tune into those. And as soon as I would get tight and breathe into my chest, I would start panicking even more because I had physical symptoms of being lightheaded or dizzy or X, Y, or Z. And then that would lead me on to the fear of, okay, I have a brain tumor or whatever else I was feeling at the time with my health. And so focusing on my breath would be another simple thing that can kind of bring you back to presence and bring you back to, okay, I'm feeling fearful or afraid, deal with the emotion, and move on to the rational part of what do I need to do to get through this. And so I hope that helps. Like I said, that was, I don't mean to over, oversimplify, but those are the things that have worked for me. Now I could keep going on and on, but I think those two are probably going to be the most effective for you. Now, like I said, with what you've been through, you know, danger is going to be subjective for you. Now, for me, danger looks different. You know, it looks different for me because of what I've been through in my life. And so it's a little bit subjective. And so I would tailor those two simple concepts to work for you. And a lot of this stuff in anxiety, you want to tailor it to work for you. Just because it worked for me, not it might not necessarily work for you. So I hope that helps. All right, on to the next question here. Uh, how could I explain to my parents how debilitating my anxiety really is? They think it's easily fixed and they don't get what it means to be so anxious I feel sick. And that's very relatable. Um, you know, fortunately for me, uh, my mom was a social worker and she had studied some psychology in her time, but we didn't know what it was right away. And, you know, I, I, I was always someone that had, had it put together. And so it kind of took us by surprise and, um, they were open to helping me, which I think for the most part, most parents are. And I think they try to fix and try to help because they care about you versus trying to listen. And I think that's just an, and now that I'm a parent, I understand that. Like you want to, you don't want your child to be in pain. So you want to take that pain away versus like having a conversation of this is what you're going through. It sucks. I'm sorry. How can I help? And, you know, in in past episodes, I've talked about boundaries and I've talked about um, blunt conversations and that's what you need to do. And they may not understand the first time or the third time, but maybe the fifth or sixth time that you talk to them about it, you're going to feel a little bit less guarded talking to them about it, but just keep trying. 
um, you know, your parents best, you know, what's going to work with them, you know, um, it's, it sucks. Like, I'm sorry that you're having a hard time with your parents, but deep down they do care about you. So go in with knowing that they care about you and and they're trying to help. So maybe the, the way to approach that is saying, Hey, I know you guys are trying to help me, but I need you to just listen. This is what I'm going through and this is how it affects my life. And I need you to not oversimplify how I feel. This is real. This is what I got going on. And, you know, hopefully they're receptive to that and they may not be right away. And what you're doing in that situation is you're taking care of yourself. And that's what's most important here. Now, you want your parents on your side. You need some allies and you need some help. But taking care of yourself when they don't understand is letting them know exactly how you feel. And you need to know that for sure this is real to you. And just like every one of us that have had anxiety, you feel like you're the only one and that nobody understands. But the people that are on this podcast that listen to this show feel exactly the same way that you do. Now, some of the situations are different and some of the phobias and fears are different, but anxiety is anxiety. It just, it's, it differs by scale or degree, but it is an emotion and it's a habitual emotion. But what you need to do is have that frank, honest conversation with your parents and say, I, I know you guys love me and I know that you want to help me, but this is what you say and this is how it affects me. So when you try to oversimplify it, mom and dad, it makes it worse. It's not helping actually. If you want to be supportive, I need you to do X, Y, and Z when I'm anxious and start educating them on what you're going through. You know, parents have your best intentions in mind. Like I deal with that as a parent now, as well as someone that has gone through anxiety. My son is doing fantastic right now, but I didn't know it was anxiety right away and I should have, but we didn't realize it. We just thought that he had a hard time going to bed and didn't want to go to bed and, um, versus being like, well, what need is not being fulfilled for him? And his was just, he needed some comfort before he went to bed because he would freak himself out. And so, you know, like I said, as parents, we want to fix and we want to help and we want to keep our kids safe. And that might be a key word to use with them is like, you know, I know you guys love me. Here's what I need to feel safe talking to you guys about this. And if I don't feel safe, I'm not going to be able to have an open conversation with you guys. I'm not going to be able to ask for help because like you, like parents want to help, right? And I'm still talking as I'm talking to parents. If you guys really want to help me, I need to feel safe. And if I don't feel safe, I'm not going to talk to you, which I know you don't want. I know you want to help. So here's what I need in order to have you help me. And so, I, you know, it's like I said, it sucks. I'm sorry that you're going through that. And it, you kind of probably feel pretty isolated, but know that you're not alone. Like there's... You know, we get a couple hundred downloads a week on these episodes and there's people just like you all over the country. You know, we have people all over the country listening that feel exactly the same way. Now they may have a different home life that their parents are a little bit more supportive, but they feel the same feelings that you have going on right now. So you're not alone. Um, another thing to think about is like, can you talk to one parent a little bit better than you can talk to the other? Like, do you have a better relationship with your mom or a better relationship with your dad? 
and start with one at a time versus both of them at a, at a time. You know, parents are, are a team and, you know, we both we, like as a mom and a dad, they have their strengths and weaknesses. Now, for me, I always talk to my mom a little bit differently of an approach than I would my dad. Now, it's not that I wouldn't say the same thing, but it's like the delivery is a little different. Like I'm a little bit more lighthearted with my dad because sometimes like I <laughs> I could offend my mom with some stuff I said. You know, I've, I mean, I'm 42 now, so I learned how to do it, but back when I was going through this, I would get angry and, and frustrated and, um, I didn't want to talk about it, but like, you have to figure out like the best approach with each one of your parents versus both of them as a whole. Now, my parents are fantastic and they're very supportive. It's just something so ingrained in you that is something you have to deal with that makes you feel vulnerable. You have to figure out what's safe for you. Now, it was safe for me to talk to them both at the same time. Don't get me wrong, but like my delivery was a little bit different with each one of them. Like I could talk a little bit more um, in psychological terms with my mom because she had a background in that. And so I would talk a little bit more about overarching concepts or um, not necessarily psychological terminology with my dad, then I would still give him the same message. And so when you talk to each one of them individually, make sure that you're making note of what you need to relay to that other parent. Um, it, it's important to have them both on the same page, but I guarantee you they're going to talk about you after you talk to them. <laughs> That's what we do as parents is we will, you know, as soon as the kids go to bed, we're going to talk about our, our kids. You know, we're going to say, okay, well they were doing this and like, you know, I, I think they're really doing good or I think they might be hurting. I'm wondering what else is going on. And that's just what we do as parents because we care. So it's good to have the same information uh, delivered to both of them at the, at the same time. But I, I think that if you're afraid to talk to them, I, I say just cannonball it and, and start the conversation. It doesn't have to be perfect, but pick out a couple things that you want them to know, have it be short have it be uh, to the point and be like, I want you guys to think about this and I'll come back and revisit with you, you know, because part of anxiety is like even acknowledging it to other people that you have it is stressful. It makes you anxious. You get close to having a panic attack, even talking about anxiety. And so if you can do these short bursts, it's going to be a little bit better than having a giant um, family meeting that lasts two hours. Maybe you just do it for five minutes and be like, hey, this is something that's been on my mind. I'm trying to figure out how to express this to you guys. But this is what I want you to know today. And we can revisit it when I can kind of get the thoughts around it and how my delivery around it ready for you, mom and dad. Like, here's what I want you to know today. And so I'm going to come back. I want you guys to think about it before you answer right now. And I'll come back and we can talk about it. Like you don't even have to get a response from them. They could just say, okay, sounds good. And then you deliver your message and be like, no, don't try to fix it. I want you to think about it and we can revisit it whenever time that you designate. And so make this on your terms. So like boundaries say, you know, I'm going to tell you something that's very, very vulnerable for me. I don't want you to respond right now. <laughs> they're going to, I guarantee you their eyes are going to be, get big and they'll be like, oh my goodness, you're pregnant or whatever, you know, <laughs> that's what we do as parents. We freak out. And then you can say, okay, it's just something I'm going through. I want to share it with you. And here's what it is. I have anxiety. I'm not sure you guys understand what that means. Here's what it means to me. 
here are some things I need. And I want you to think about that. And it can be just that simple. And be like, I promise we'll talk about it. I, I know you're going to want to talk about it right now and fix it right now, but I don't want you to fix it. I want you to think about it so we can have a back and forth conversation on how you guys can help me manage this part of my life. And, and right now, I'm sure your parents are thinking that they can fix it for you. And they're probably frustrated themselves because they can't help you. And that's part of it. They need to understand that they can't help you, that this is on your shoulders, but they can support you. They don't have to fix it. They don't have to cure you. They don't have to make sure that you're on your meds. They don't. They, all of this is on your shoulders. So take the football and run with it. You know, you get to make this situation whatever you want it to be. But I, I do hope that you keep trying to talk to them. The worst thing you could probably do is isolate from them and just get frustrated with them because then you're doing the same thing that they're doing. If you get frustrated and just stop talking to them, then you're, you're not playing your part in the, in this relationship, you know, relationships are (laughs) relationships with a P are reciprocal and they should be reciprocated. And so if your parents aren't understanding what you're going through, you have to understand from their, their perspective that they may not understand exactly what you're going through. So help educate them, help, help set it up so that you can get what you need out of that relationship and better educate them to what you're going to need in the future. So that's a little bit longer answer. Um, I hope that helps. It, it's a little bit harder for me to answer because, you know, I, I had supportive parents. I had uh, really good help, even though they, we weren't sure right away. Um, once we knew about it and we got a, like a little flyer from the, the ER, one of my trips up there, we quickly went into educational phase of it. Um, unfortunately for me, I didn't realize at the time that I had so much power in managing my anxiety. I tried to fix everything around myself instead of fixing myself first, but that's a whole nother episode, <laughs> which we've talked about that in the past on this. So, all right. I had a couple of questions here about moving. And so I'm going to talk about that. And, um, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, this is from the, we are the evidence community. And this question is from them. And there was a couple of them that were about this. What advice do you recommend for a survivor of a sexual assault who suffers from anxiety and is looking to move across the country? Which it's a big change. And with any change, that's uh, there's a lot of anxiety that comes with change, especially when you um, feel like you're somewhat in control of your environment. And I'm sure if you've, you've been a victim of this, you, you like to be in control of things and be able to predict things and really don't like surprises. I, I can guarantee you that. So for moving. Um, I I actually went through this and that's right around the time that my anxiety started. I was living out in California and I had my first panic attack actually out in Modesto, California. Um, and I moved home about two weeks later. And so that's when my anxiety started. So moving across country, what I would suggest is like, let's focus on the things that you need to feel safe. And so wherever you're moving to is do a little research on what things are going to be there that will support, um, both your anxiety and your healing from your event. And, you know, it's, it's something that's going to be ongoing, but you're going to be able to manage it with practice. And so let's say you're moving, uh, from the Midwest to the West coast. Like what are, what does the area look like that you're going to live in? Where can you go if you're not feeling safe? 
Where can you go for some support with what you've been through? Where can you go to take care of that, that light that's inside you? Do you? Can you go to a gym? Can you meditate? Can you go to yoga? Can you go to a women's support group? Start listing out these things that you can check off these boxes of what are going to benefit you in the move. Also start looking at like, where am I going to get groceries? Where am I going to, you know, go shopping for clothes? Where am I going to go? Where's Walmart? I mean, or Target or wherever you want to go to get your miscellaneous items, like where you can get a plunger and a pair of jeans, you know? And so like figure out all these things that you can know about the area. You can know about what your life situation is going to be to take some control of this move. And there's the thing you don't want to do is focus on all of the what ifs and, and, any kind of person that has anxiety, I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing words here, <laughs> anxiety, it has anxiety, like, that's what it is. It's like the what ifs kill us, and they, they crank us up, and they, they get us so amped up that we can't bring ourselves back down. There's no benefit in predicting the what ifs unless you're in the stock market, and even then, it's not even a good idea to do that. So focus on the things that you can control in the situation with your move. Now, I'm sure that some of you guys that have been through this, you testifiers, like you focus on the past and worry about that happening again. But as you know, that takes away from your present joy. You know, it breaks my heart that you guys had to go through something like that and and feel that level of pain. But it doesn't have, have to last. Now, it is part of your life now. It is part of moving forward. But that level of pain that you went through doesn't have to last unless you keep picking it up and reliving it. And I'm not trying to oversimplify it. But, you know, with PTSD and anxiety from what from an incident in your past, that level of pain is instantaneously back in your life as soon as you start thinking about the incident or the event. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can redefine that event to be anything you need. Look at the leader of your community. She was someone that could barely walk in the door of a gym. And now she's paying it forward and leading the charge. She's redefining what that event meant to her. Now, it's not going to happen for all of you at the same time. But it can happen to you. If you allow it to. And I'm sure you want it to. But allowing it to looks like creating a door for you to walk through in order to manage your anxiety. And creating a door is working on those skills that's going to help you manage it. Learning about yourself, learning about um, flipping your thoughts in the moment, learning about, okay, that, that cloud is about to pop up. I don't have to spend time on it, right? You don't have to do that. And it becomes habitual. You know, I used to, and and this is not in any way like relatable to what you guys have gone through. I used to beat myself up about not making it in the NFL. Like rather than being grateful that I got the opportunity. And this was when I was, you know, in the, in the darkest part of my mental health issues is I, I used to beat myself up so bad and like shame myself. And rather than saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got an opportunity that like 10% of college athletes get and an even smaller percentage of that actually make a pro team. You're in the 10% of people that ever get a chance to try out. 
you should be grateful. And that didn't happen overnight. Like I spent time and time again being like, whoa, 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 reset. Let's do this again. And just stopping myself. And so what that looks like for you guys is like, okay, this situation reminds me of the event. Now feel that emotion and then move on to rational thinkings. You know, like, okay, yeah, this freaks me out, but am I in danger? No, okay, this is my fear of the event. I'm safe right now. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to help myself get back to a baseline, and I'm not going to spend time on that event. It's not here. It's not now. I'm not going to give it power. Deflate it by not spending time on it. Now, it's not saying to not acknowledge what you've been through. Acknowledge it and say, man, that was painful. That was horrible. Excuse me. That was horrible. And it's part of your life, but you don't have to revisit it every day. And, And I'm sure that sounds very oversimplified and I apologize. But when you get to a point that you can look back and be like, okay, I was stopping myself from making progress by allowing myself to spend so much time on something that hurt me so much rather than looking around and thinking about the things I have to be grateful for. The things that I have in my life that I can use to help manage the pain that I feel. The things around me that can support me in my healing. And you guys that are in that community are doing just that. You're taking some power back by joining a a community that is empowering you with what you've been through. We have so much power that we don't allow ourselves to find with anxiety. And the reason I know that is that our anxiety is created through thought. And there's two areas of thought. There's the thinker and then there's the knower. And you want to spend more time on the knower that observes your thoughts and be like, well, I don't have to spend time on that. And that could be even your simple thing when you feel anxious is being like, well, I don't have to spend time on that. Because you don't. There's nothing that says that you have to spend time on anything in your life. Right? Like the knower behind all of the thoughts. Like you're not the thinker. The thinker in you they're not separate like it's it's part of you but thinker is the habitual part of your mind that if you don't put the reins on it it's going to take over and that's where you're at is that something so traumatic took over and and like i said i'm i'm so sorry that that happened to you it's a horrible horrible thing you know and i wish i could take it back for you and that's like the turning point in your life where your the thinker took over of like you had all these thoughts about how horrible this incident was and that became the habit of thinking. And you're very justified to have those thoughts and those feelings. It's a horrible, horrible thing that happened. But don't let it continue to be horrible in your life. Start picking it apart and figuring out what's good in that situation that you can learn from that you can pay forward, that you can grow grow from, take your power back, and start kicking butt again. I hope that helps. 
please holler if you have more questions. If you have any questions about anything that I said today, um, you know, it, it's really coming from the heart. I hope that that helps you guys feel a little bit of a peace, <laughs> a little bit of peace in your day. And you're able to breathe a little bit better. Have yourself a peaceful morning, afternoon, or evening. Keep coming back, guys. We're going to figure this out, I promise. We'll see you later.